0: Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Technically Speaking, an Intel podcast. When you think about the future, what kind of technology do you envision? Whatever the future holds, artificial intelligence will undoubtedly be at the heart of it all. Welcome to Brain Stuff, a production of iHeartRadio. Hey, Brain Stuff, Lauren Vogelbaum here. Today's episode speaks frankly but non-graphically about racial violence. For the better part of a century, American people of color lived under the burden of what are now known as Jim Crow laws. This racist system of segregation, mainly of Black people from white people, affected virtually every sector of American life and reached far beyond the South, where it was best known and most harshly practiced. Jim Crow laws and the deep wounds that they inflicted on American society are not relegated to the past tense. Their legacy is still felt in many ways today. We spoke with Stephen Barry, a professor of American culture at the University of Michigan and the author of The Jim Crow Routine, Everyday Performances of Race, Civil Rights, and Segregation in Mississippi. He said, Jim Crow was about so much more than laws. It really was an all-encompassing system that involved political practices, economic practices, social practices, cultural practices. Some of that was about legal things, but some of it wasn't. One of the challenges, why Jim Crow often seems like it's in the past, people tend to think that, oh, it was a few laws, and we got rid of segregation laws, and we got the Voting Rights Act, so that must have taken care of it. It didn't. These laws weren't named after a real-life person. Jim Crow was a fictional character in a minstrel show, a representation of a black man, an exaggerated, stereotyped, and racist representation played by a white man on stage in blackface in the early 1800s. This character was a hit with many audiences, and by 1938, the term Jim Crow had become a racial epithet. As states began passing laws to restrict the rights of slaves freed at the end of the Civil War, the laws came to be known as Jim Crow Laws. The Emancipation Proclamation of 1863 freed all slaves from states that had ceded from the Union, and in the following years, three amendments to the U.S. Constitution gave former slaves rights. Uh, The 13th in 1865 abolished slavery, the 14th in 1868 guaranteed equal protection to all citizens, and the 15th in 1870 guaranteed the right to vote regardless of race, color, or previous condition of servitude. The South, coping with its loss in the Civil War and what it felt was punishment meted out by the U.S. government, responded by enacting a series of laws over several years to severely restrict the rights that had been granted to Black people. These laws were said to be enacted for many reasons, but the simplest explanation is this. They aimed to maintain white people's claim to first class status in American society and to keep Black people as second class citizens. Here are a few early examples of these laws. In 1866, the Tennessee legislature passed a bill requiring separate schools for black and white people. Between 1866 and 1955, Tennessee passed 20 Jim Crow laws, including ones that outlawed miscegenation and required segregation in public accommodations. In 1877, the new constitution of the state of Georgia included requirements that primary schools be segregated, and it established a separate university for black people. It also instituted a poll tax, which disproportionately affected poor black people, effectively stripping them of the right to vote. Laws like these kept black people from voting and thereby from having a say in governance. It barred them from holding public office, thus slanting the justice system against them. It restricted them socially, requiring black people to use different phone booths, drinking fountains, restrooms, and so on. It stymied them economically and in all, prohibited them from gaining equal footing with white citizens. By themselves, the Jim Crow laws were devastating. But, as Barry points out, the legal aspect of Jim Crow was only part of the problem. Black people were also subjected to widespread violence and murder, implicitly condoned by much of white society and rarely prosecuted, that continued well into the 20th century. The Ku Klux Klan, originally a club for Confederate veterans, was born in the aftermath of the Civil War, and has terrorized black people for decades. In 2015, the Equal Justice Initiative released a report called Lynching in America, Confronting the Legacy of Racial Terror. It documented in the period between 1877 and 1950, almost 4,000 lynchings. From that report, quote, racial terror lynching was a tool used to enforce Jim Crow laws and racial segregation a tactic for maintaining racial control by victimizing the entire African-American community, not merely punishment of an alleged perpetrator for a crime. Barry explained that the fears, frustrations, and injustices created by these laws and this violence seeped into everyday life. He said, there's this tendency to think of both Jim Crow specifically and racism more broadly as being this overt form that looks like the KKK that Looks like a cross burning that looks like dramatic acts of violence. Sometimes it is that, but often it's much more subtle. It's in the air that we breathe and the water that we drink. Up until 1896, Jim Crow laws were limited to state and local regulations. But in a landmark case that year, the U.S. Supreme Court codified the laws nationally. In Plessy v. Ferguson, the court upheld the Louisiana Separate Car Act of 1890. This act, also known as the Louisiana Railways Accommodation Act, required railways to, quote, provide equal but separate accommodations for white people and people of color. Unsuccessful challenges to this law brought it to the Supreme Court in Plessy v. Ferguson, and in their decision, the court held up the constitutionality of state segregation laws, which opened the door for even more restrictive Jim Crow laws in the coming years across the country. These included one that passed in Arkansas in 1903, stating that it was unlawful for white prisoners to be handcuffed or chained to black prisoners. And one from 1911 in Nebraska, which stated that marriages would be void if one person was white and one was one eighth or more black, Japanese, or Chinese. And one from 1926 in Atlanta that stated that black barbers couldn't serve white women or girls. In California in 1894, the state's constitution was amended to strip voting rights from anyone, quote, who shall not be able to read the constitution in the English language and write his name. Remember that under these laws, even basic schooling wasn't necessarily available to people of color. And on top of all of this, violence and lynchings continued. Pockets of resistance to Jim Crow formed from time to time, Barry says, especially after black soldiers returned home from World War I and World War II and pressed for equal treatment but the system of oppression remained strong. According to the Equal Justice Initiative, a white mob in Blakely, Georgia, lynched William Little in 1919 for refusing to take off his uniform after returning home from World War I. Barry said, African-Americans always challenged the system. They always pushed back. Sometimes it came just in terms of teaching your children how you survive this system. Not only we want you to know these rules so that you're safe, but we also want you to know that you're just pretending. The poet Lawrence Dunbar referred to this as we wear the mask. The idea was you're wearing this mask and pretending to go through the rules, but you're learning that that's not who you really are, that you're not really inferior, even though you're following those rules that are meant to tell you that. Three years after the end of World War II, on July 26, 1948, President Harry S. Truman desegregated the military, which was perhaps one of the first real steps toward the downfall of Jim Crow laws. It wasn't until 1954's Supreme Court decision in Brown versus the Board of Education, though, which ruled that separating school children on the basis of race was unconstitutional, thus overturning the idea of separate but equal expressed in the Plessy decision about 60 years earlier. The Jim Crow laws were dealt a fatal blow. Barry explained, World War II was a huge turning point. People are always pushing back and fighting. There's this constant struggle but it became more visible then, and you do get this mobilization in the mid-1950s. The struggle to free black Americans from Jim Crow had more setbacks to come. The Cold War was a hard time for anyone to question American values for fear of being branded a communist. But the turbulent 1960s, with the full-throated protests of the Freedom Rides of 1961 and the passage of the Civil Rights Act in 1968, helped to solidify the idea that Jim Crow laws were a thing of the past and that segregation had no place in American society. Author Gerald M. Packard in American Nightmare, The History of Jim Crow wrote that, quote, Jim Crow was a disease that once permeated every fissure and fold of American society. Yet in the past few years, voter suppression measures have been introduced by the hundreds. Black people in America today are incarcerated at a rate of more than five times that of white people. And as of 2015, Investigative journalism by The Guardian found that black citizens, and black men ages 15 to 34 years in particular, are disproportionately the victims of deadly force by police officers. Young black men made up just 2% of the population, but accounted for 15% of deaths perpetrated by the police, and were nine times more likely to die in police incidents than any other demographic. Jim Crow laws may be dead. Jim Crow, though, is not. Today's episode was written by John Donovan and produced by Tyler Klang. For more on this and lots of other topics, visit howstuffworks.com. Brainstuff is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.